Thank you for listening to the Desert Road Community Church podcast. If you would like to support Desert Road Community Church, go to www.desertroad.church and select the online giving tab. Now, let's join Pastor Dave Prosser as he gives this week's message. Well, as we've been working our way through the book of Acts, we've seen quite a few events already taking place, and we briefly saw this one new person, Saul, and today we're really going to take a look at his life. So uh, we're in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Um, you may be following along in the NIV. Today I have the words up here from the New American Standard, so uh, if it's a little bit different than what you've been following, it, it's going to be close for you to see that. So Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might bring them in in shackles to Jerusalem. Now as he was traveling, it happened that as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard the vo a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And led him, leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So again, we've already been introduced to Saul briefly, early on. We saw him as he stood and uh, approved the stoning to death of Stephen. Here, his reputation is spreading throughout the entire region of uh, how vicious he is towards new believers. And as, he, as we continue the story here now in Acts chapter 9, uh, we see that he is said he is still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. I get the feeling that here that, that Saul is, uh, was, was, was maybe telling the disciples to, hey, knock it off, guys. <laughs> knock it off with this spreading the gospel around, you know. Uh, it, of course, like us, they weren't going to quit. They were going to continue spreading the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, and so he seeks to harm the people that are being converted by the disciples. He's not attacking the disciples, but he's, in essence he is because he's attacking the people that are receiving and believing the message of Jesus that they've been sharing. So now he, as he continues his attacks, he goes to the high priest, and I think he probably knew the high priest very well because he was a part of the Sanhedrin also that was there when they judged Stephen to start with. And so the high priest, being the leader of the Sanhedrin, I think Saul already knew him and probably knew him well. And so he goes to this high priest, and he asks for letters 
to give to the uh, many synagogues in Damascus. Now, Damascus was a large metropolitan city of the day with several synagogues, uh, and, and many people were receiving the message of Jesus as Messiah. So here's the man that's the persecutor of these new believers, and where does he want to go? Well, I want to go where there's a bunch of synagogues. I want to go where a bunch of people are converting to this new uh, religion that's starting to spread all around the region. So he asked for these letters to go and give them to the leaders of the various synagogues. So as Saul uh, goes through synagogue, his purpose was that if he found any belonging to the new way, no matter if they were men or women, that he'd put them in shackles and he'd bring them to Jerusalem. Can you just picture this scene for a second? Okay, so he goes into Damascus and he goes to the various synagogues and he says, give me a list of names, you know, give me Terry, Patty Joe, Robin, Jane, Wendy, Give, give me everybody's name, John. Give me everybody's name that used to be here as a part of your synagogue that's now believing in the message of this new Messiah. He finds them, puts them in shackles, probably hand shackles, probably shackles on their feet. I, I, I try to, I, I read this and I keep trying to think, did he, did he march them to Jerusalem? Did he put them on carts and take them off to Jerusalem? And anyway, they were put in shackles and taken to Jerusalem, and he was going to deal with them there. But we told, of course, as we know the story, and we're told here again in our reading today, that approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice. I, I, again, I, I say, I've said this to you many times as you read Scripture. Put yourself into Scripture. Try to feel Scripture. Smell the air. Feel the wind of the stories that you're reading. And now, feel this story. Maybe you're one, you're, you're one of the men that's walking with Saul right now, and you're approaching Damascus, and all of a sudden, bam! This light comes out of heaven. Saul is knocked to the ground. I can just... I almost chuckle because I can imagine him falling to the ground on his hands and knees, face to the ground, almost whimpering like a little child because of the fear that he's feeling right now. And he hears this voice speaking to him. And the voice says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Several times you read through Scripture. In fact, I, I was looking, I came up with at least 15 times when God uses a person's name as he speaks to them and he says their name twice, like this he did here. Saul, Saul. I think of uh, uh, Abraham. Before his name was changed to Abraham, it was Abram. And he was instructed to take his son Isaac up to be sacrificed. And you remember that story? Just as he's ready to sacrifice his son, God says, Abram, Abram, and stops him. I think of Moses up on the mountain. Moses, Moses. What, what did Moses do? Moses hid his face too. I think of that in, in, as I read this about Saul falling to the ground, hiding his face. You can't even see the presence of God. You can't look at the presence of God. And I see that in Moses. David. Throughout the Old Testament too, David, 
David, and many times he speaks to David. And then Martha. Oh, Martha. Martha. And whenever God uses those names double like that, he's using them as a term of endearment. Martha. Martha. Come on, Mary's, you know, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> Martha. Martha. And, and, and so... As I think about the way God uses those names double like that, and then I read Saul, I, I, I can't read them as Saul, Saul. I have to read them as Saul, Saul. Almost a term of endearment to, to almost, I'll, I'll say, be kind as he's starting to address this man who's been persecuting the believers. So now also... Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? He wasn't directly persecuting Jesus, was he? Jesus wasn't there at the moment. He wasn't the one that was being persecuted. Who was being persecuted? The church, the new believers, those new converts to Christianity. They were being persecuted. I read that, and here's what I wanted to say to you. You ever feel persecuted by anything, I see heads going up and down. Of course, I mean, it can be health, it can be a job, it can be some kind of situation. That's a form of persecution going on in your life. Here's the thing about that. Jesus feels that. As you as a believer, and you feel some kind of pain against you as a believer, some kind of persecution, Jesus is feeling that. See, Saul was bringing persecution to the believers, and Jesus was feeling that for his new believers. And so Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I find Saul's response here a bit interesting because he says to him, who are you, Lord? Here's the persecutor of the believers, now realizing that God wants his attention. And so that there's no doubt in, in who's, who he's meeting at this very moment, Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus tells him to get up and enter the city and it will be told to you what you must do. Jesus tells him to get up. And when he got up from the ground, even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing and had to be led by the hand into Damascus. It continues on. And for three days he was without sight and neither could eat or drink anything. I read that story and I think, what a sight this must have been. His reputation, has, as I said, has been spreading throughout the region. They knew who Saul was. They knew he was the persecutor of the new believers. And now here he is being, and, and they probably knew that he was coming to Damascus. You know, the word about Saul was not, you know, everybody knew where he was and what he was up to. And all of a sudden, people in Damascus are saying, I, I, hear, I hear Saul's on the way. All of a sudden they look, and here's a group of men leading a man by the hand into town because he can't see. And it's Saul. 
what a sight that must have been for those people in Damascus to see him approaching in that format. Not able to see. And I read the story, and I remember years ago, uh, believe it or not, I was an avid racquetball player. Uh, we lived in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Yay, Forest Lake, Minnesota, anybody? Yes. Anyway, I played racquetball five days a week. I mean, I, I just loved playing racquetball. And one thing they tell you in racquetball when you're playing racquetball is to wear eye protection, right? Well, I, I wear glasses, so I've got eye protection, right? Yeah. So, and the other thing they teach you is as you're playing, turn to see your opponent as he's getting ready to return the ball so it helps to know where he's going to hit the ball in this little confined little court, right? So I did that, and we're playing along, and I look back at the guy behind me, and as I'd hit my shot, and I would see where he's going to hit, well, I saw pretty clearly for a moment because it hit right here, right on the left side of my cheek. It went across my eye and knocked my glasses off, and they went flying. When that happened, instantly, there was a blood clot in this eye. I had no vision in that eye at all. If I covered my right eye, I was completely blind. Leslie was at the racquetball club in another court, not playing, but taking an exercise class. And so I just, I told my opponent, well, I guess I, that you won. <laughs> so I go up and I look down into the court and get Leslie's attention. I said, you have to take me over to the clinic. Something's wrong with my eye. And she looks at my eye and says, yeah, it looks like there's something wrong with it. And so off to the clinic we go. And the clinic was right across the street from the hospital, but we went to the clinic. That's where we should have gone. The doctor comes in, looks at my eye, and scolds me. Oh, my goodness, does he scold me. He said, what are you doing moving around? I said, well, I had to get from the racquetball club over here. He said, that blood clot could have let go at any second, and you would have been in big trouble. Put me in a wheelchair, pushed me across the street to the hospital, and put me flat on my back with both eyes patched for three days. I can feel what Saul went through, <laughs> being blind for three days, not being able to eat or drink. At least I could eat or drink something, but uh, it just, you know, <laughs> I, I, can, I can understand what he might have been feeling at that very moment. And you know, something else that jumps out at me at this story is that, is that old cliche, I guess a cliche is old, but that cliche that you can't tell a book by its cover. You know, some of the people that we meet, they may not look the way that we think they should look. They might not say the things that we think they should say. But God sees the heart of that person. God sees the soul of that person. I think God, you know, we could say, why Saul? Of all the people, especially a guy who was persecuting new believers so much. Why Saul? And I think God saw his heart. I think God saw what Saul believed in his heart and what, was, what he was devoted to. And what he was devoted to is what he believed, and it was believed... You know, he, everything that he believed and was taught in his upbringing, he held to it. There was no sway in what he believed. 
I think God saw his heart and said, I can use that. I can use that man, and I can change the way he feels about believers. I can change the way he feels about my son Jesus, and I can change that because God saw his heart and knew it could be changed, could be changed with an encounter with Jesus that he just had on the Damascus Road. And I know I say it quite often, but that's still the case today. That is still the case today. We may not see a good heart, but we're called to share Jesus. We're called to share Jesus, folks, so that God can reach that heart. We might not, but God can when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we continue this study and this walk through the book of Acts, we're going to see how Saul was changed in this meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus and how often then he changes the world for God. And that, again, is being used to this very day in churches and in individuals because of this encounter on the Damascus Road. I, we're going to sing another song called Trading My Sorrows. And, and again, I, you know, Terry and I talk about it quite a bit. I really don't tell him a theme or a thought that I have for Scripture, and he just picks songs. And I think this song fits so well here, Terry. Trading my sorrows. I think Saul was trading his sorrows at this very moment. Saul was about to change and become this most amazing man ever for the work of Christ. He's trading his sorrows. When, when we become believers, don't we do that same thing? Oh, Lord, I'm trading my sorrows. Hey, brother. Let's sing.